Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. People just like you, working to understand viruses and how they affect you. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we are talking with research technicians involved in coronavirus and COVID-19 related research so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackeray, and I'm hosting this podcast from America's heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. Eight months into the COVID-19 pandemic, our understanding of what controls the outcome following SARS-CoV-2 infection is still incomplete and therapeutics to combat disease are lacking. On October 13th, 2020, we talked with Tracy Bricker, a research laboratory supervisor in the Boone Lab at Washington University School of Medicine, who has been using the hamster model to model SARS-CoV-2 pathogenesis. Tracy got her bachelor's in education from McKendree University and has worked as a research technician at Washington University for 17 years. She has used small animal models to understand lung disease caused by smoking, asthma, inflammation, sepsis, and influenza virus infection. She recently published a first author paper on the development of a small animal model for bourbon virus, an emerging tick-borne orthomyxovirus, and is currently using the hamster model to identify novel therapeutics for COVID-19. Thanks for being on the show with us today, Tracy. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you become interested in virology research? It was actually kind of by mistake. Um, I actually went to school for education. And when I graduated college, there was a hiring freeze. And so someone I knew was like, well, WashU's hiring. And I was like, okay, well, it was something to do until I could get a teaching job. And then, you know, I was working in pulmonary for a while and my lab shut down. And so I applied with Yako, got hired. So my temporary working at WashU has now been 17 years. <laughs> not, not so temporary. <laughs> not so temporary, no. Um, once I started working there, I really loved it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I guess, can you tell us a little bit more details sort of some of the steps in the path that you followed to get to where you are in your career today? So describe some of your education or some of the jobs that you've had before. I have a bachelor's in education from McKinsey University. Um, for a while, I was a licensed optician. And like I said, I, you know, was looking for a teaching job. There was a hiring freeze and being an optician was fun, but it wasn't challenging. And so I thought, you know, I'll work at WashU for a while. And the more, the longer I was there, the more I wanted to learn. And so it's like every time somebody was doing something new, I'm like, oh, show me, show me, show me. Is anyone in your family like involved in science? Had you been exposed to it in sort of uh, in your schooling, high school, middle school, anything like that? Um, I really got into it in high school. Nobody I know in camera or anything is into science, but once I got into uh, high school, I was just blown away by it. So for a while, I thought I was going to teach science. Um, so, and yeah, that didn't happen. But now I kind of am because every time somebody new joins the lab, you know, I'm having to teach them stuff. So I, I, I'm kind of getting, you know, some use out of my degree. <laughs> 
And I guess when you think about sort of the science you've done in the past 17 years, what has been the most sort of exciting moment, sort of like this eureka, sort of a discovery that only you have had? I would have to say when we started working on bourbon virus, which is the tick-borne virus, um, we actually discovered a way to treat it and to prevent it. Unfortunately, it's not approved in the U.S. But that was kind of a yay moment because I started from scratch knowing absolutely nothing about this virus because there wasn't a lot of cases of it that we had known of. And going from growing it up and, you know, testing it to into the animal work. And then, you know, it's like, hey, this worked. And we, I must have tested probably 10 or 15 different compounds in order to find the one that worked which led me to my first ever, first author paper. Can you describe to our listeners sort of like what, what that discovery would have looked like for you? Well, what I did is I treated cells with different compounds and then infected them with the virus or infected them with the virus first and then treated them with the compound. And it showed absolutely no viral replication in the cells. So from there, we moved on to a mouse model um, after testing several strains of mice, we found one that worked. Uh, the bourbon virus killed these mice with, you know, within a few days. And so once we either pre or post treated them with this compound, they did not lose weight. They did not get sick. There was absolutely, it cleared the virus. Unfortunately, like I said, it's not approved in the U.S., but we're working on that. So it's something, once you have sort of an idea of a drug that works, then are you working on trying to find other alternatives of the drug or what's sort of the next step? Yeah, we actually have been testing other drugs. Um, we've also been trying to maybe find something similar that would work that is approved or possibly even getting more data to show that it does work, it's safe. There are no adverse side effects, so hopefully we can get it approved. Um, as I said, there's not much known about the virus because it's only been around that we know of since 2014. However, um, with the symptoms mimicking the flu to some degree, we almost wonder if there wasn't other death from this virus that was attributed to the flu. So unfortunately, the numbers aren't fully known. So actually, why don't you, can you tell us a little bit more about this virus? So bourbon virus is probably not one that a lot of people know about that. So can you kind of tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. Um, as I said, it's a tick-borne virus. Um, it is in, it was first discovered in Bourbon County, Kansas. However, we do have ticks from Missouri as far back as 2011 that have tested positive for the virus. Um, it really came in to be known when a Missouri State Park Ranger passed away from it. So it, like I said, some of the symptoms mimic the flu. However, it attacks the liver and causes such severe liver damage that even people who have had it and survived, we don't know if their livers are going to be able to repair themselves. Um, it actually eats large holes in the liver. And people who have underlying health issues are severely at risk of not surviving. Um, but 
since they don't release the names of people who have it and survive, we don't know if years down the road, if they are going to suffer from any type of liver failure or liver disease because of it. I see. And is it related to some other more well-known virus? What kind of virus family is the bourbon virus? Um, it's in the ortho family. Um, but as far as we know, we've tested like as well as Heartland virus and Dory virus. Um, but it's kind of its own thing. What's been the most difficult thing you've had to overcome in your 17 years as a scientist? And I guess, how did you overcome it? Um, I would have to say it's when I worked in pulmonary. We were studying asthma. And we actually found a way to severely reduce inflammation in mice. Unfortunately, it didn't work in humans. So it was like we had this great way to protect mice. I mean, we gave them the severest form of asthma we could, and then given them treatment, it actually pre helped prevent inflammation and attacks. But we could not get it to replicate in humans. And it was kind of like, it was frustrating because we had put in like two years on this to try, you know, to figure out the right combinations and everything. And then we did some human trials on it and it just didn't help them. Um, and so can you um, start uh, describe a little bit to our listeners how you started working on COVID-19 research? That was my boss. <laughs> um, as soon as this hit, because we work with viruses and influenza and that type of thing, um, it was right up his alley. You know, it's a respiratory virus. And we have a special lab situation. And we were able to open that up um, to kind of help boost uh, the, you know, doing the research and everything. So from we started off with cell work and mouse models, and now we have adapted to a hamster model. And we have found in hamsters, it it replicates more. And so hamsters are actually a better model for doing COVID-19 work. So can you describe in a little bit more detail how you set up the hamster model? So we've you know, had a couple of people on the podcast that have done mouse research, but hamsters is sort of a new one. So can you kind of describe that? Uh, we set it up similar to mice, um, but due to the size of the hamster, obviously we have to give them more. So we started with the hamsters and uh, giving them 100 microliters uh, intranasally of the COVID. We started with doing morbidity, mortality weighing, as well as harvesting organs. And it does show that hamsters tend to have, I think we had, it was like 10 to the 10th power of virus in their lungs. So from there, it's okay, well, can we find not only a vaccine, but also a therapeutic way to not only prevent it, but help those that have it. So that's currently what we're working on now. Okay, so can you describe that those studies a little bit more? What are you doing or how, how are you looking at therapeutics? Um, with the therapeutics, what we're doing is we're actually giving them the virus, waiting for three days, which is when the virus titer is at its highest, and then we're gonna start treating them. 
So hoping we can get them to fully recover and clear the virus. So I think more on the personal level, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected you as an individual? So we're now, I guess, like eight or nine months into sort of the pandemic. How have you been, how has your life changed? Um, honestly, mine personally hasn't changed too much. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm an introvert, so them closing stuff down and saying you can't go to concerts and stuff, I'm cool with that. Um, it has more affected my family due to the fact that my mother has heart conditions. So I noticed that I'm a lot more careful when going places. I make sure like I don't, when I come home from work, I don't head straight to her house without basically decontaminating myself. Um, and I'm much more cautious if she goes out somewhere to make sure you know, groceries or whatever get decontaminated before they go into her house. So it's a little bit different in that respect. But I mean, I don't necessarily miss going to movies or concerts or restaurants or anything like that because I never really did it before. I know a lot of people that are working on the uh, SARS and COVID have actually spent a lot of time in the lab. Um, have you actually not managed to um, sort of uh, pick up some new hobbies or sort of um, new ways to de-stress and sort of stay sane during this time? I actually have fallen back on my favorite hobby of reading. Uh, that does help me de-stress, you know. Um, I don't really do too much else. I mean, I watch some TV every once in a while, but I prefer to just sit with my book and get lost in that world. What about, say, yeah, with your friends and your family? Are you still doing that in person? Um, or are you doing that more sort of on the phone, by Zoom, this kind of thing? Um, as far as, like, my parents and my daughter, it's in person. Um, as far as, like, other people and friends, like I said, due to my mom's heart condition, I can't risk it. So that's more or less on the phone or Zoom. Um, but, you know, I, I have my daughter, and we hang out a lot. And so she... She keeps me somewhat sane, but at the same time, I think she adds a little bit to the insanity. <laughs> and is she going to school? What is she doing? Um, she had taken a gap year after high school and was supposed to start back to college in the fall. But with the COVID-19, I, I suggested she wait a little bit longer before either going to school or working. Um, so she's mainly staying at home as well? Yeah, she... Uh, she goes over to her grandparents' house a lot, and she helps them, she cleans their house, does laundry, dishes, whatever they need, kind of, you know, helps with whatever. She uh, recently helped them paint their entire garage, so <laughs> and they're helping keep her busy so she doesn't uh, go too stir-crazy. Yeah, so I guess to sort of follow up on that, um, as a virologist and someone who works with SARS, how do you think about sort of safety during this time? How do you evaluate how to go into a restaurant or how to interact with people or, you know, how to conduct yourself at work. How do you sort of assess the risks associated with uh, the pandemic? I think the masks are definitely important. Um, personally, I try to avoid people as much as possible. It's not always easy in elevators and stuff, but as soon as I, if I'm in contact with somebody, as soon as I'm away from them, I'm washing my hands. 
Um, I change my mask regularly. I make sure, like, I have Lysol disinfectant wipes. Um, every morning when I come into lab, I ethanol everything down. Um, I try not to go into restaurants. I do a lot of the deal dash and delivery. Um, again, they leave it outside and I spray the crap out of the bag with Lysol. So I should have bought stock in Lysol. How do you sort of communicate this sort of like your thinking to your friends and your family? Pretty much just yelling at them, I think, for the most part. Um, I know a lot of them were like, well, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And I'm like, look, during flu season, you don't go around licking doorknobs and stuff. You know, I know it's not like the flu, but to some extent, you need to do the same thing. Wash your hands. You know, clean, disinfect things regularly. Make sure if you start feeling sick, you stay home. But I tried to tell them, yeah, it's nice to be able to go out to a restaurant. However, you need to make sure that the restaurant is clean. You know, ask them to clean the table before you sit down. Um, before you go to a store, is it absolutely necessary? I mean, you can, there's so many things you can do now with curbside pickup, delivery. It's like, I know we're not in quarantine anymore, but the reason I think this thing spread and is continuing to spread is people aren't staying home. They're like, oh, well, everything's opening back up. Let's go. But if you don't have to go out, don't. And I tell them, if not for you, Think about your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your little cousins. Uh, think about other people's parents and cousins and kids. You know, you may be fine if you get it, but that doesn't mean everybody will be. I guess we're winding down. So we're, like I was saying, eight or nine months into this pan pandemic. Um, do you have any last messages for our listeners? Any thoughts about the future of this pandemic? What do you, where do you see us going from here? I honestly believe we will have either a vaccine or therapeutic response probably within the next six months. Does that mean it's going to go away completely? No. I think this is going to be similar to flu. The vaccine will work to an extent, but it may not work for everybody. SARS-CoV-2 is an RNA-based virus, and RNA-based RNA viruses mutate. So I have a feeling it's going to be similar to the flu where, yeah, the vaccine will work on some strains and for some people, but it may not work for everybody. But we all just need to stay strong and hang in there. And eventually things will get back to the old normal and we can get rid of the new normal. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Tracy's previous experiences with small animal models of virus infection allowed her to quickly pivot to using a hamster model of SARS-CoV-2 pathogenesis in her search for therapeutics to prevent and treat COVID-19. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, and Amazon Music Podcasts or at lmtv.podbean.com. If you are a virologist interested in sharing who you are and what you do, please contact us at letusmeetthevirologists at gmail.com.